All right, so. Okay, we're starting. Um, <laughs> yeah, those, subtly, that's, yeah, me. Um, our opening prayer this morning, uh, we'll use Psalm 123. Um, and again, thinking kind of through living in a world that is, uh, um, you're an alien, you're an exile, there is uh, uh, a struggle to, uh, to live the faith, um, and there's opposition. And that, that's kind of the, the spirit that some of these are written in. So, O oh Lord, to you I lift up my eyes, O oh you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O oh Lord, have mercy upon us. For we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. Amen. All right, so we're continuing to work our way through uh, just, this, this, just this little paragraph um, of uh, Romans 8. And uh, would somebody be willing to read verses 18 and 24 for us again? May I? Please. Um. Romans 8, verses 18 through 24. Uh, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager lodging for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is sin is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. All right. So we have worked our way through verse, uh, to verse 22 that says, For we know that the hope, we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. When I, I look at this in the original, probably the simplest translation is something along the lines of, for we know that all the creation groans together and suffers agony together until now. Now, it says, we know. We know that this is happening in the creation. Um, and uh, the text is basically saying that this is evident. You know, all you got to do is live life, look around, and you see that the, the creation is groaning. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's this, this element in what's being said here that this should be you know, kind of self-evident to us. That this whole creation, and that is everything and everyone, is in this state of, uh, of a kind of groaning uh, because of the sin that has come into the world. And it groans together. It's not, you know, that one part of the creation is suffering, the whole creation is suffering. You know, and that includes us. And that's important. <clears throat> because a lot of times when people will talk about the creation groaning, they will say it's humanity's fault that the creation is groaning. And that is true. But we're also in that groaning and in that suffering. Um, that that is part of our experience of, of this life as well. Even if we're unaware of it, you know, because some people, you know, we go through life kind of fat, dumb, and happy, and, uh, um, you know, we, we don't know. Uh, we're not always aware, and I think that's part of our, our fallen sinful state. So this word groans together in the Greek, it's just one word. It combines the word with and the word that means groan or sigh. Um, this is the only usage of this word in the New Testament. Um, 
you know, there are other compound words with this word that means, you know, groan or sigh, but this is the only one where there's this togetherness. And so there's this sense of a, a community lament. You know, and I'm not sure that in Western culture that that is something that, that we wrap our minds around very easily. There are, there are times when it's like a, a community will, will grieve together, but a lot of times it tends to be isolated by like a family mm -hmm. or a smaller unit. Um, but the, the, this is this is really broad, you know, lament of, of well, the world. Um, when uh, one of the trips that we made to Haiti, um, we got to visit, we got to see a, a funeral procession. And uh, we were in this, this little village, and they came through with the casket. Pretty much everybody in the village is following behind, and they're, you know, the women were, were wailing. That, that's part of their culture. Um, that's not something that we usually experience. Um, and then the men, you know, just very dour, you know, and, and very, um, you know, um, like walking like a kind of this really stately way, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, but it was, it was the community doing this together. Um, and, uh, and that's kind of the idea that I think is behind this word, that there's this connectedness in this sorrow that leads us to uh, just groan and, and even weep uh, together. Um, I, I liked this quote um, from. Uh, th there are different books where you can like study words. You know, they're written by nerds, um, but uh, they're really smart nerds, and uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I think that this can be really helpful. And uh, this is what what um, this guy said about it. He says. Sighing takes place by reason of a condition of oppression under which man suffers and from which he longs to be free because it is not in accord with his nature, expectations, or hopes. You know, as we run into these things that take place in the world, you know, where we just feel these burdens, and the whole creation is experiencing this, this burden, and it wants to be freed from it because this is not what we were created for. And so it groans, it sighs through the suffering. And then the other uh, word here is suffers agony together. It's another one of those compound words um, where you take the word with, but you actually combine it with birth pains. So you may have noticed in the uh, uh, ESV, the English Standard Version track, uh, translation, a lot of translations um, have something about uh, uh, as in the pains of childbirth. But that, that's where the idea comes from. It's a word that's intended to draw a picture. Um, and uh, um, he, he's describing this, this very painful process. But I think that it's interesting that he goes from this sighing from oppression to a travail that ends with life. There's a hopefulness that's in it. Now, those of you who have given birth Giving birth is no joke, right? It's not you know, this is a this is a big deal. Uh, you know, and so I'm, I'm I don't think this is in any way making light of the travail, but I think that there is a sense that he's injecting hope, that there's something beyond, that there is life at the end of the pain and at the end of the suffering. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Then there's a part that says that she suffers travail. But then it's okay because with the joy of the man being born into the world. Yeah. Yeah. No. It, it's not. I guess naively when I look at that sentence, I think in terms of the creation giving birth to a, a new creation. Uh, yeah. You know, a, a new life there and, and not just a sort of abstraction. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that is where we're heading, that God yeah. is working new life already, yeah. Yeah. and then the yeah. day will come. And the process to getting there, painful, yeah. yes, but then yeah. life. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and this is another one of those times that this is the only time that the word is used in the New Testament. You know, this, this idea of taking with and, and childbirth to talk about 
um, suffering agony together. Yeah. Um, so, we've already kind of crept into point five there. What is the image that this verse is giving us? What does this mean? What's this saying to us? This is where I set my teeth. Hope comes to mind for me, but I've been saying that too. But but hope, you know that that it's 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 all going to be worth it. It's all going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Just just hang in there. Mm -hmm. And then we're, we're focusing in on verse uh, 22, Sharon. Okay. And then they're born, and then you go, oh my gosh. On the first know. page. Uh, you know. <laughs> oh, is that, that mine? Oh my gosh. I thought it was going to share with you. Did you see me get up and get up? <laughs> what comes to mind to me is the length of time. Which okay. we do not know. Okay. All right? Yeah. We do not know. And I, I can't help but think, I mean, I had a long labor anyway. <laughs> Not only one child, but it was long. And I had no idea. And I was thinking, you, when you go into labor, it's a great metaphor because you have no idea how long. Mm -hmm. Very true. And that, you know, uh, if you think about what, what is the verse you probably know, and I don't know. Uh, I, um, day is like a thousand years. Yeah, from first Peter. Yeah. So when you think about that, I mean it's it's a beautiful metaphor because we you can never tell. Yeah. You know, and this just came to me from you know, our kids being born. There were times that you know, we thought labor had started and it got sent home. Great. Yeah. That happened to me twice. I thought it was sent home twice. Yeah. We lived in Michigan, and there are a lot of dirt roads in Michigan, and Chris is like, take the back roads. <laughs> right. You know, a friend of mine lived from southern Ohio, and he lived on one of the smooth, spot, straight spots of one of the roads down there. And they always kept a room prepared for childbirth. Oh. Because people would be driving along these, and they'd get to this nice, smooth spot, and oh, here it comes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> they didn't have any training or anything, but they, you know, sort of knew how to make someone comfortable. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I just have to say, just this last week, Eva, my closest friend, is Jewish. And we had this beautiful conversation about the difference, the only big difference is the fruition. This is, this is talking about Jesus the Messiah. And it was a beautiful thing. I felt the Holy Spirit was there because my friend said to me, she said, why don't the Jews consider Jesus the Messiah? That came out of her mouth. And I said, well, that's a very good question. I don't know the answer to that. But I did kind of, um, well, I said to her, you know what would be really interesting to read? The Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, because that can kind of tell you how Jesus came and the response of various Jews. Because I was thinking about here, they didn't even know at that time, I mean, Paul knew. Yeah. And the disciples knew, but there were a lot of Jews at the time that were still like wondering, mm -hmm. wondering and wandering. What, what is, is this, is this it? We don't think so. Right. Mm -hmm. So they were groaning. Sure. <clears throat> yeah, they weren't sure. And I was thinking about like the word, what does groaning mean, really? You know, because it's... When you're groaning, you're in you're in agony, and sometimes you fight, yeah. and you're crying. And I just couldn't help but think about the Jewish connections during that time and the struggle it was among them to see yeah. who Jesus really was. But it was really a big deal for them to accept Jesus and maybe invite him over for a cup of coffee or something. Oh, absolutely. And there were guys who were sneaking around to 
meet the apostles and try to find Jesus on their own. Yeah, there were. Find I out mean, what was going on. Yeah, we know in John chapter three that Nicodemus comes by night. You know, the the, the main reason he comes by night is you know he he's, does not want the judgment of his you know fellow Sanhedrin members. They knew something was going. On. Yeah, yeah. The combination of uh, combination of suffering and hope. Yeah, that is in kind our, of the next thing here, right? Yeah, in our uh, in the days when we struggle, when we uh, go through like bad times, God provides us hope and comfort. Yeah, and so I I think it's really important uh, when we think about life in this world. I, in the West, I think that there is this this impression that there should be no suffering. <laughs> That, that, that my life should be easy, you know, and everything should go my way, you know, um, and, and maybe, maybe that's just human nature, but I, I think I see that more in kind of American, North American culture than I do like when, I, when I'm in Haiti or when I've been in Mexico or, you know, when I um, read things from uh, brothers and sisters in Africa, you know, they just kind of accept, you know, suffering is part of life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and here it's like, I have a pain and something needs to be done about it and it better happen quickly you know yeah and uh, um, yeah I think it's sort of a quid pro quo always in that it's like if I do the right thing yes which may not be a Christian or even religious right thing it may be it may be a very greedy right thing but something that society you know that well, if I work hard and I do this and that and save my money, then I deserve to have a good life. And it mm-hmm. don't always work out that way. Yeah, well, no, I think that's a very human thing. Yeah. Certainly not a Christian thing. Yeah. Um, uh, this idea that when, when I do the right things, I will get the right things yeah. all yeah. the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're raised that way, though, here in the West. We're, mm-hmm. we're told that from day one. Yeah. You know, when we're little, you know, you... You eat your vegetables. You're going to grow big and strong. You know, yep. whatever. And and so I think so. Probably in Haiti, that's not how they raise their kids. You know, with that. So we go into that mindset of I I deserve, and if I do well, I'm going to I I should get this, and I deserve that. And that's what television commercials are all about. Is you deserve. You yep. deserve. Because why do you deserve? Yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. It's irrelevant. You deserve it. Yeah. I don't right. want what I deserve. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That's yeah. Well, but that's because you've got a different perspective. I know, but yeah. I mean that. Yeah. So, I know what I deserve, and I don't want that. <laughs> that's one of the things Wayne Koenig. Um, uh, some of you remember Wayne, Wayne yeah. and Ruth. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Wayne was the uh, pastor immediately before me. Um, he would say sometimes, "I thank God uh, that I don't get what I deserve." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I remember one of Amanda's friends from Senegal saying that one of the things, just in terms of etiquette and such, you never count the number of people in a room because that underlines the ones that aren't there anymore. Oh, interesting. And, and nobody wants to be reminded. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So suffering is part of life. Now, did I say there's anything wrong with trying to ease somebody's suffering? No. I did not. I did not. Um, But at the same time, I think that if the impression that we give is that you can completely and totally escape suffering, that is a lie. And it's not helpful to people when they experience suffering because we will. And, and, And then we're not prepared to suffer you know if uh, you know if, if we don't see this as, as something that is normal um, and that is part of living in a fallen creation the other side of that is that when people are in suffering if we don't give them hope then we've not done our job either you know because God has come into this world and and Jesus presence in this world has begun something new that is changing all things. So, I want to kind of take a little bit of time to think about suffering. This should be pretty easy, I think. And I want you to think broadly 
to think about where do we see suffering in creation? Everywhere. Everywhere? Yeah, well, you can be a little bit more specific than that, I think. <laughs> well, it's just the part of our life. Uh, the floods got, in Kentucky. The floods in Kentucky, okay. People getting sick. Mm -hmm. COVID. COVID. Illnesses, COVID, Depression. okay. We got lots of them. Yeah. Wildfires out west. Wildfires out west, yes. Mm -hmm. Losing loved ones. That's a big one, isn't it? Yes, that's yeah. huge. I was thinking about that with our gospel lesson. You know, if you can't add a single hour to your life, why are you worried about these things? Jesus talks about that. Like, that's really easy to just add an hour to your life. I can think of some people that I would like to add a couple hours to their lives so I could be with them again. You know, but. Uh, just a little bit longer, just a little bit yeah. longer. And relish that time. It's, it's, what it's time I wasted. Yeah. It's a little different after the fact. Yeah. 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 Actually, if they lived a bit longer, we yes. probably would have done the same things, and then th and then thought afterwards, oh, if it was just a little longer than yeah. that. Yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So where else do we see suffering in creation? I think suffering uh, can be something uh, that prepares you for something coming down the road. True. Mm -hmm. But where do we see it in creation? It's... It's something God wants you to go through because he's got something up his sleeve for you later Sometimes. On. Mm -hmm. The circle of life itself. Yeah. I mean, animals eat other animals. You, and when you, you look at the circle of life, it, it has a lot of suffering in there. And, and if you watch National Geographic at all, you see that the whole animal kingdom, unless you, you know, you're a herbivore, all the carnivores, and even with the herbivores, they believe in, in that, the, that the plants have feelings. They're getting eaten up all the time. There's something I've noticed, too. If you um, go to um, Walmart or places that sell magazines, they're selling a lot of stuff about mindfulness and all that. Mm -hmm. And I really think... Um, we're seeing each other as suffering. Yeah. And we're trying to write these articles and everything. I mean, there's whole magazines online. Yeah. And I think and that they're is trying to help us to deal with all the things that are happening in our economy and everything right now. Yeah. And I think that there is a recognition that people are suffering. Yes, they are. You know, and it's so. They're trying to help. They're, they're, they're trying to find um, solutions, and some of them are helpful and some of them are not. Um, and uh, you know, and some are helpful in varying degrees, um, or not helpful in varying degrees. And, you know, so you know, I, I think recognizing that there is suffering in the world, being able to see it and name it, I, I think that that's an important part of our life. None of them mention anything about God, because I bought a few to see what they, no, they was won't. all about. Not one thing. No. Nothing. Why would we expect them to? Because he's a well, I just thought maybe you know they might say, well, if you're a Christian, you know. But nothing. But yeah. most of those people it's don't like you're know anything your about being a Christian. <laughs> they don't know anything about God. They don't know anything about the Bible. They just pick up what they find reading funny. Yeah. Uh, they don't know, and so they can't give you any comfort from it. This, I think one of the sad things is the people who believe that if I do it right, things will be right, and then when things don't aren't right, then they really are down because so, it's my fault i did something wrong or you did something wrong and now yeah. i'm suffering or but else god didn't come through yeah. yeah they expect if i'm being good i'm gonna get good it's sort of yeah. like mom if you don't want to be spanked then don't do something wrong you know pick up your stuff put it all away and then yeah. turn the tv on but we grow up into adulthood with that same idea that if I do it right, things are going to be good for me. If things aren't good for me, then I didn't do it right or somebody's been lying to me all these years. Yep. Yep. And that, that's, that's one of my concerns now is my fears is I did it right for my retirement and it's yeah. being chopped away by the economy right now. And it's like, but I did all the right things. I did all the investments. I did all the, mm -hmm. you know, stuff that they said to do to have a secure retired life. And what good did it do? And, well, it's just like now we're, right. now we're in the midst of 
okay, it's, and, and it's not fair. I did all the right things. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, but, it has often occurred to me that somehow it seems that children discover the word fair long before anyone tries to teach them about it. They, it all of a sudden, it's like, but that's not fair. Um, right. Said things were fair. Yeah, where did that come from? Uh, we had a, a book we've been yeah, reading here. Well, but then we use that too. We go, oh, come on, now that's not fair. That's not fair. Yeah. That's not, you know, you, 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 you cut the, we cut the pie and he yeah. put things so we're fair. Yeah. Everybody gets yeah. the same size. But yeah. fair, yeah. fairness and justice are not necessarily the same thing. No. You know, and God calls us to justice, not merely fairness. You know, and I think that, that, that I think that's worth some thinking about. Um, so as we think about creation's suffering, what is creation's hope, as you see that in this passage in uh, Romans 8? I think it's preparation for something coming down yeah. the road. Mm -hmm. With God. What's, what's coming down With the road, the though? Because it's in the text. World things like that. Well, it's the first fruits of the spirit, yeah. and and we have that in the resurrection of Christ. Right. Right. It's it's this revelation of the children of God. You know, and so there's a sense right now that we're kind of walking through the world, kind of unrevealed. You know, as far as the world thinks, when it sees us, it sees a bunch of sinners. You know, it sees a bunch of people who are you know same foibles, same problems as everybody else. It's just you're kind of gathered around some kind of a belief. But the day will come when we're going to be revealed for what God is actually doing in us in the resurrection and you know and on the last day. And so there is this sense that you know the creation's hope is that last day to come. But I also think that there's hope even in this moment because that day is coming. Because God is already at work in you, that He's already starting to make all things new in this world. And so He's bringing His new creation into being, even as we we live. Pause on that for a second. This is different than sometimes what uh, what Christians will do when they when they um, start to get a little bit of power and they say we have to run the world according to what the Scriptures say. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about that same kind of an idea. I'm saying that as God works in us, He brings us into relationship with the whole creation that is leading us to this new life that's in Jesus' resurrection. You see what I'm differentiating there? And I'm not talking about a political process. I'm talking about something that is much deeper, that it actually changes the fabric of creation as we experience this. So, they're, like, they're uh, it like clearly says in like verse 21 uh, mm -hmm. that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Yes. Yeah, so it's waiting for that. Mm -hmm. And to be able to have that freedom that we are intended to have as God's creatures. Now, I think that there are two extremes in terms of how we relate to the rest of creation. Um, one is that, have you ever noticed that people like to worship nature? Mm-hmm. Not see themselves as nature worshippers. They would say we're caring for nature, yeah. and, and I think it slides into nature worship. Yeah, I, and, and that's properly called paganism. Yeah, right. But I mean, there are also many people who worship God through nature. That's a little bit different, isn't it? Yeah. Because there's a connection to a there's a relationship yeah. to the and Creator. I, I think there's, yeah, that's a yeah. There's a difference between loving the creation. Yeah, and uh, really rejoicing in what God is doing in right. the world. Yeah. You know, I th I, I, in fact, I think that that's good and right. Um, I think that if you uh, go out to uh, um, Colorado, you should be moved by the mountains. Right. Yeah. I think that when you're out in uh, um, South Dakota, 
that the Badlands should move something in your heart. Right. You know, that there's something about these things, yeah. or the oceans, you know, the Great Lakes, there's, you know, because we're experiencing something there. But that doesn't mean that we worship the no, thing. Specific. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that actually takes us back to Romans 1, right? That we exchange yeah. the created, you know, and the creator. Yeah. You know, um, is paganism new in the world? No. No. Is paganism what? New. Oh, gosh. No, it's not at all. In fact, you know, this is... This is very normal. Um, and I think, here, did you hear what I said? This is normal in terms of humanity. I, I think that that's, I think that's worth thinking about as our culture moves uh, away from the influence of Christianity um, or Judeo-Christian ethic or whatever you want to call that. Uh, I think that we can expect to see more of this. Oh yeah, because implanted in every human being is the need to worship something. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it, 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 it makes sense. I mean, watch a thunderstorm roll in. I mean, are we not people who are enamored with power? And is that not power? Or are we not people who are drawn to beauty? You know, stand, I was riding with a couple of friends, and we hit the, uh, the bridge that goes over eight, the bike bridge over eight, and you can look out over the valley. Now, you kind of have to pretend that you know the, the turnpike isn't there, those orange barrels and stuff like that. But I have a really good imagination, and uh, I look out there, and I you know you can see the, the view and the trees and the you know the you can't really see the river there, but you know it's running down in there, and it's just it's just glorious. You know you can see where somebody's heart is drawn to that. I think that sometimes as Christians we look at people who are, are drawn to worship the creation. We're like, well, they're so dumb. No, I think this is the human condition. You know, we, we should just receive people where they're at. That doesn't, that doesn't mean we leave them there. It doesn't mean that we don't speak to, you know, the fact that there's a creator behind the creation. But, you know, we don't write them off. Um, the other extreme, I think, is that, you know, so on the one hand, we want to worship it. The other hand, we want to enslave it. Um... And I, I, I think that uh, for a lot of Christians, particularly in the West, that this is partly where we've been. And I think that's, that's worth recognizing too. Um, there's a passage in Genesis chapter 1, it's kind of paraphrased, but it says, God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let, us, and let them have dominion over all the earth and every type of animal and insect. And so people have used that word dominion to, to mean that uh, we can do whatever we want. I mean, the word dominion itself means to have charge or authority or a rule over something. And responsibility. And a responsibility. People don't like that part. No. Is there a difference between dominion and domination? Big time. Big difference. You know, I think you can rightly say that as when, when you're a parent, you have dominion over your children. Yes. You know, you are to raise them, you have a, a responsibility for them, but you also are telling them and guiding them and, you know, that's Something different than for dominating. their own good. Right. Looking out for their own good, good right. of, of what you're caring for. Dominion is intended to be a blessing. Yeah. Um, domination like is not. Because it, it sets up everything in power relation. Yeah. And I think that permeates our culture. It does. Everything is in a power relation. And, and that's a big part of how we talk about relationships right now is, you know, the, these power dynamics. And, and sometimes that goes into unhealthy places because we, commu we, we confuse dominion and domination. And sometimes for good reason because the people who are supposed to have dominion treat it as domination. You know, you know so there, there are injustices there that, that need to be recognized. And I think that sometimes the way that the church has looked at creation, the way that we have talked about it, the way that uh, sometimes the church completely and um, uncritically embraces um, capitalistic uh, principles, you know, it's, it's not healthful. And it, 
we need to repent of some of these things. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, sometimes it's just like it's utilitarianism. It is. Because sometimes people just don't think, even if it's, it's not a money-making thing, it's like, oh, this isn't working. We can just take this out. And without the thought yeah. of the ramifications of what you're doing to others, even if there's no money involved. Yeah. You know, and so this can lead to, I think, a, a type of, um, oh, what do you call that? Um, Uh, practical atheism. Mm -hmm. So these are people who, you know, they go to church on Sunday, they believe in God, but then the way we conduct our lives would certainly not say that there is God. Yeah. So don't you think the reason that is is that with, within our culture, we have a tendency to privatize everything and individualize everything. So you say, okay, this is my thing. And then this is my thing out there. So, you know, religion is my thing in here. And the practical uh, dictates of my life in my work situation or in my neighborhood, that's there. And there's really not a connection. Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. But I also think that we tend to kind of float between these two things where we worship nature or we treat nature materialistically. Like it's just this dead thing for us to use however we want without any kind of... Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a line in Hard Times by Dickens. Okay. Mr. Bunderby says, The one sin I hope never to be guilty of is giving food to someone who can't support himself. If he can't support himself, he ought to starve. Oh, yeah. And he sees that as the word, you know, he sees that as righteous. Yeah, yeah. There, well, I mean, that's echoed in uh, a Christmas Carol. Oh yes. When yeah. they come to Scrooge for money, and he's like, you know, what about the poorhouses? What about you know, yeah. you know yeah. the public works? Yeah. You know what the public works were? What the? Yeah, they were basically slave houses. That, yeah. You know, people yeah. who couldn't get a job, they would go there and they would do slave labor. Yeah. So, I would like to suggest a, a third way. That, uh, that Ed has already started to touch on here, and that is this idea of a creaturely stewardship in our relationship with uh, the rest of creation. Um, and the idea here is that the creation is there for us to use, you know, that you know, we should use natural use resources, that God has blessed us with these things, but we should not abuse the, the creation. And that calls for wisdom. Um, it calls for, for consideration of other creatures. You know, and when we talk about creatures, we talk about the full creation, even the earth itself. And so we think about things like, how does what I'm doing impact the habitat for the animals that are there? Or the mm -hmm. plant or the species, the insects. Um, uh, I go up and down Young Road every day. There's a, a there's a, a trailhead. Um, I'm really thankful they put that in there because they put a restroom in. That's really helpful. Um, and uh, uh, there was a beautiful stand of trees all the way around it, and they have cut them all down. I'm not sure what they're doing. If they're putting in a subdivision. Or, or, or what exactly, um, but it just, I'm sad, you know? And it's not that I think that it's wrong to cut down trees for people to have a place to live, you know? But at the same time, uh, I'm starting to feel like, you know, stands of trees are a little bit of a commodity. And we had, Everything a, we had a coyote in our yard, like, within the last week. I mean, it, they might not be related, but it might be, you know, yeah. like, that. Oh, the girl, really? mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And when you think about things like the catastrophic flooding that's happening, a lot of that is related to the fact that people went and cut down all the trees. That, you know, God put us here, in a sense, in a balance. Yeah. And not, not being conscious of our actions and the effect on our environment and the people who live there. Yeah. 
Yes. One problem is that people confuse mankind as humans along with men as a group. And if mankind is in charge, then the men gets to be the oh. boss always over everything. And even the way, you know, 100, 200 years ago, the man was the, the boss, there are a whole lot of people who still believe that and teach that. Uh -huh. And I think that causes a lot of problems, yeah. taking things sure. out of context. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Women are supposed to be seen and not heard if you can't keep them out of the way and not even be seen. Like that could happen. Yeah, like I was say, that's clearly a lesson that you did not take in, Carolyn. <laughs> I was the oldest of six girls. There was no hope for me at all. <laughs> so as we think about habitats, as we think about creation, um, uh, uh, here in Ohio, one of the big uh, industrial uh, uh, coal mining, and they used to do that by strip mining. You know, and uh, there's an area, um, I don't have any idea what it was, but if you like go into Gary, Indiana, you're going across and all of a sudden there's just this pit. Oh yeah, I know which one it is. Oh, you know, yeah. And it's just, you know, you're like, what in the world? Um, my cousins were coal miners and uh, they were on kind of the tail end of the, uh, the strip mining thing. I think that they did a little bit more of the reclamation part of it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, my uncle was very involved. You know, and I remember going into a strip mine and seeing what they did there. And you know, it's it's you just tear apart the the whole thing to get what you want. And back in that time, you know, in the '60s and '70s, they didn't necessarily do anything to reclaim it to you know make it habitable again. Um, pollution, disposable goods, and planned obsolescence. Um, one of the things that I find very frustrating, um, uh, somebody was talking about my iPhone earlier, how I use this for so many different things. But they have built into these things that at some point it will not support the operating system and I will have to get a new one. And I think, I actually think that they're, they do something with the battery. Um, that you know, There's something that they do with the battery to shorten its life. Um, that might be me being paranoid, uh, but uh, no, I, I've noticed with with printers. Yeah, you change the printhead. You go to change it a second time. It says, "Oh, you can't do that. You have now exceeded the life of this." Yeah. So it, 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 you know, there's nothing physically wrong with it. But it just says, no, this is our policy. You can only change the printhead one time. Yeah. Because they're in business to make those. Yeah. And if you make it so that yeah. it can last forever, amen, then you're not going to stay in business. The other thing that always gets me is electric toothbrushes. There are some that actually have batteries you can take out and recharge yeah. But there are a lot that are rechargeable. But they make a big point that... The only way to extract the battery is to destroy the device. Yeah. You know, it says, yes, you can get the battery up, but you won't ever be able to use this item again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we, we got a reading light, and it says yeah. on there, there's no bulb for this light. If it burns out, you get a new light. You, you can't yeah. change the bulb on the light. Yeah. 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 And so what do we do with all this stuff? Yeah. How, is, phone, how is that a good the use phone, of creation? The printer, the the thing that, that are no more used to us. Right. Yeah. It's melted down. Yeah. The people who own the businesses and the people who work there think that that's a perfectly good thing to do because if all of this stuff can be used forever and ever and ever, then they're going to go out of business and I can't pay you your money anymore. Right. Yeah. But this is something that's worth, as Christians, thinking about. Right. Because we're also consumers. Right. You know, and how, how do we relate to the creation and how do we, you know, use these natural resources mm -hmm. that God has blessed us with? You know, um, unrestrained consumerism is part of what we're talking about here. Um, an area in life that is kind of important to me um, is meat processing. Um, I've raised animals, you know, and, and I see things sometimes, um, sometimes when we get chicken legs, I, 
I know how to process poultry. And I look and I see this bird was abused. You know, and, I, you know, and that, that bugs me, you know, and, uh, and I know, you know, I, we've been going in with some other families, you know, to buy um, ethically raised beef and um, pork um, almost every year. And it's partly because we don't want to support the, the kind of this feedlot system mm -hmm. that's out there. You know, and then there are other economic considerations, you know, in terms of local business and things like that. So I want to just really quickly, because uh, we're, we're right at the end of time here, because somebody <coughs> was long-winded in the sermon. Um, <clears throat> I don't know who that was. Uh, some things that we do here at Gloria Day out of our love for our creator and out of love for creation. Um, we have recycle bins all over this place to, uh, to recycle paper. We go through a fair amount of paper. Um, you know, some of it is maybe a little bit wasteful, but some of it is also just kind of the nature of what we do. Um, and, uh, uh, and so uh, we have that recycling bin out there in the, uh, the parking lot. Um, when that first went in, the church made money off of it. There are so many of those things out there now, we make zero dollars off of that, um, and it's still there because we want people to continue to come and be able to put paper there that it can be recycled, cardboard, you know, whatever else. You know, mm -hmm. when people come out, there are bins for them to you know recycle the, the bulletins. Uh, we recycle boxes all the time. Um, Becca, you know, cuts them and flattens them and and all of that. There are places in the church to recycle plastics. Um, water bottles, uh, grocery bags. If there are grocery bags that come here, we, we hold on to them, and uh, there's some grocery stores that take them back. Yep. You know, Giant eagle does. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And Becca will hold on to those for a while, and uh, and then, you know, when, when she has a load, um, the, the lunch containers. You know, if you ever buy pre-packaged food um, around here, we tend to wash them and put them in the plastic recycling. You know. This isn't something that you know, yeah. you know, makes us more virtuous or anything like that. The other thing, if you watch our staff, you know, during the week, we almost never have water bottles. Now we got a notice from, you know, the city stuff that they would no longer recycle like lunch containers. Uh, that they were taking uh, soft drink bottles and. Uh, milk jugs, and that was about it. Well, almost all of them have a number on them. Yeah, but they said that doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, I don't care. I, if it has the number on it and it's within their range, I'm putting it in. Well, I guess what they're saying is it's not in their range. <coughs> yeah, but they, they say what's in their range. Not the ones that service Hudson. Okay, They say because in Stowe they do. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know because... <laughs> You know, there was this whole thing where we were all getting shipped off to China, and then yeah. we found out China was just dumping it anyway. Right. And so that sort of all collapsed. So yeah. I've been looking for a place to. So, so there is a problem within the system, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, there's this. You know, you got to recycle in order to save the earth, but then you know the organizations that are actually collecting the recycling are they right. being responsible? Right. And that's not something I can necessarily control. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so. Um, I look at some of that sometimes I say, I can do my part in this piece of the chain. Yeah. I can speak to the next part if I know, mm -hmm. but you know, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, so uh, I, I have a Nalgene bottle that I usually have on my desk. Yeah, lasts forever. Yep, um, I've got a couple other water bottles. Um, Chris read a book, uh, The Native American Lady, you know, and part of that was make a commitment to never buy water. Yep, don't buy any things that are gifts from the earth. Yeah. I, oh, I, that's, I, a, that's a beautiful mm -hmm. statement. Yeah, it, it was really a neat book, like, you know, obviously not like a, from a Christian viewpoint, but it was called Grading Sweetgrass, and the whole, the, the sweetgrass is something else that you'll sometimes see for sale, but it's a gift from the earth that you should buy things like Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, and I see, you know, some of you have your own coffee cups with you. And, and, mm -hmm. and did you notice that the cups that, you know, if you didn't bring your own, those are paper, not styrofoam. Yes, right. I did notice that. Yeah. 
because that can go back into the earth. It will compose, decompose. Um, so the, the, those are some of the things. The prayer path. On one hand, the prayer path seems like, you know, it's just kind of always been there. But that is actually a big deal. That is something really important. Um, and, uh, and in having the prayer path, there are other things that we do. Uh, we remove the invasive plants that are in there that are not native. Um, uh, you know, a lot of this is, it used to be Richard Bunt that did this, but uh, Bob Branch does this. Uh, there's garlic, mustard, multifloral rose. You know, he's very, pays a lot of attention to that. These areas out here that are growing wild, we're trying to uh, reestablish native meadows, you know, for, uh, mm -hmm. um, for habitats. Um, and uh, another thing that we do is our thermostats are all on schedules. So, you know, I mean, we're people. We need to have some uh, comforts, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, uh, but it doesn't have to be, you know, cool in here at night. You know, we can, we can have that, uh, that, that range, you know, and so we have that scheduled, in, 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 you know, and there are other things that we do. And in, in the end of this, what I really want us to think about is living in light of Christ's salvation. You know, and when we live in the light of Christ's salvation, that allows us to hold loosely to the things of this earth, um, to not be enthralled by the things of this earth. You know, in, you know, to be enthralled is to be enslaved, right? Um, but that also leaves us free to use it and enjoy it. And so there's a relationship there. You know, so would it be a sin if you had a plastic bottle of water? No. No. However, might it be good to make a choice where you bring your water bottle with you mm -hmm. so you can reuse? Yes. And could that be a good and godly choice? Sure. Absolutely. You looking to say something? It's hard to tell sometimes with the mask. Just be over here breathing. Okay. All right. I ran over. I apologize. Um, for those of you who are listening to this later, uh, we're still within our hour, though, because I started late. Um, but uh, uh, God's blessings. Oh, there are... There, there is a document over here if you're interested. There is a part of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod called um, the, uh, the Commission on Theology and Church Relations. Um, this came out in 2010. Uh, this is one of the fatter uh, documents that have come out called Together with All Creatures Caring for God's Living Earth. And uh, there is an appendix in the back that is Everybody here could handle the front part, you know, but it's a little bit more, you know, theological stuff. The back part's theological, but it's written more for lay people, and then it gets into some practical stuff too. So um, uh, I kind of figured maybe one per family or whatever, but you know, take them until they're gone. So if you're interested, thanks everybody. Thank you. Go to church if you haven't already. Yeah, it's worth your time.